Ladies and gentlemen, we are live for MMA Sucker Radio. This is MMA Fight Music Producer Mikey Ruckus, and you are listening to another edition of Sucker Radio with your host, Jeremy Brand. Be sure to catch all your mixed martial arts news and interviews and updates at www.mmasucker.com. Welcome back to another edition of Sucker Radio here on MMASucker.com. I'm your host, as always, Jeremy Brand, and we have one guest for the show this week. We're going to be talking with MMASucker.com's own Nick Baldwin, who also owns MMAJunior.co, to discuss UFC Saskatoon. He'll be making the trek to Saskatchewan to check out that card, so I figured why not have the boy wonder on the show just to go over that. But right off the bat, we're going to start with... Sometimes these things happen in MMA. And you know it. You, you listened to it last week. It's all about the news that happened this week. From August 15th to August 21st, let's kick this thing off. 56,000-seat stadium show has been announced for UFC 193 in Melbourne, Australia. Headlining the event is the 170-pound title fight between Robbie Lawler and Carlos Condit. Also announced for the card is a rematch between Mark Hunt and Bigfoot Silva, as well as a match between Michael Bisping and Robert Whitaker. Anthony Rumble Johnson has decided to rant and uh, insult this woman from his gym on Facebook, and uh, he just so happened to throw her yoga mat across the gym. UFC officials, ha- UFC officials have enlisted an outside source to investigate the situation. The Barn Cat is back with the UFC after a six-year hiatus. Tamden McCrory had two very impressive finishes in Bellator, which likely led to his return to the octagon. Brock Lesnar, UFC heavyweight veteran, now WWE superstar back inside the ring, states that Vince McMahon, the president of the WWE, is a much better promoter than President Dana White. Brazilian fighter Kimberly Novis, she's an MMA fighter, she won a title in Brazil, and guess what, she was three months pregnant, how crazy is that? Two UFC vets have signed to World Series of Fighting, Jason High and Mike Ricci are on their way to WSOF, so congratulations to them. And finally, we're going to end with some fight announcements. There have been a lot. They have been coming in fast and furious this week. So here they are. I'm just going to run them down. Jessica Andrade steps in, takes on Raquel Pennington in a rematch at UFC 191. Uriah Hall steps in on short notice as well to take on Gegard Mousasi at UFC Fight Night 75 in Japan. Tom Lawler, he takes on Fabio Maldonado at UFC Fight Night 77. Also on that card, Abel Trujillo takes on Gleison Tebow, and another big matchup at UFC Fight Night 77 is Patrick Cummins versus Glover Teixeira. Joe Lozon versus Evan Dunham and Mike Pierce versus Ryan LaFleur will both, all four, take to the cage at the Tough 22 finale on December 12th. Warley Alves versus Colby Covington takes place at UFC 194. And finally, Victor Pesta is in for Anthony Hamilton against Derek Lewis, also at UFC 194. That was Sometimes These Things Happen in MMA. And right now I'm going to get to my guest that I spoke about, Nick Baldwin. 
As I said earlier, this kid is making his way to Saskatoon, Saskatchewan to check out UFC Fight Night 74 this Sunday evening. Uh, please welcome Nick Baldwin from MMA Junior and MMASucker.com to the show. Nick, for, thanks for joining me, man. No worries at all. I'm glad to be back on Suck Radio. Thanks for having me back. And the lone guest this week, my friend. This is the Nick it's, Baldwin it, it's show. It's the Nick Baldwin. Yeah, that's exactly right. <laughs> so basically, I, I, as I said, I, I wanted to have you on because you are making the trek to Saskatoon. You, you're uh, driving there tomorrow, I believe, or Friday. Um, to check out this card. I, are, how stoked are you to go see a UFC live? Well, it, it's not even just my first UFC event. It, it's my first live mixed martial arts event, and I'm you can't get a bigger fan than I am. Obviously, all the people in this MMA hardcore community, if you want to call it that, we're all huge fans, but I am just as big of a fan as anyone else. And uh, the fact that I haven't been to a UFC event or even just a regional MMA event, either here in Winnipeg or anything like that, it's pretty crazy. But um, I, I'm super excited to finally experience the whole um, atmosphere in the arena and have the fighters there in front of your face. Yeah, it's going to be awesome. You're going to have a blast. You better get there early because the kickoff to the show is like the best part when, when they start everything off and, and you get the music and it, it's just, it's an experience that is very, very hard to explain. I'm not going to be one of those people that trails in during like the first main card ballot or anything like that. All of the all of those rich people in Vegas that only go to the big shows, I'll be there for all of it. So you run MMAJunior.co. You you you're usually the one that does the uh, quick results and and whatnot for the card. How you gonna? I know you're not in the media section for this. So uh, is everything going to be done via your telephone or what? I'm going to try through my uh, cell phone, and if that doesn't work, then uh, hopefully I'll find someone that is on our staff list to uh, help out with that. But if not, I'll, I'll, I'll struggle, and uh, there, there's no such a struggling um, when you're at a UFC card, um, but, but I'll try, definitely. There's definitely no struggle in this day and age. <laughs> I mean, with the way technology works, you should be able to get her done. Oh yeah, for sure. Hopefully, hopefully, at at least it's not Brazil and there's no Wi-Fi or anything like that. It, it, it should be good. All right, let's start right from the UFC fight pass. The early prelims they kick off at 3 p.m. Pacific time, 6 p.m. Eastern time. Two guys making their octagon debut: Misha Serkinov from Canada against Daniel Jolly. Uh, what are your thoughts on this card? It's not the initial fight that Serkinov was supposed to get, but actually, probably one that favors him a little more. Yeah, I, I was picking Sean O'Connell when he was uh, set to face uh, Misha Serkinov. He got hurt. I believe it was a back injury. Um, so so that sucks. I, I do like Sean O'Connell a fair bit. He's a great guy to talk to, a good fighter, also always improving. But Misha Serkinov, this is a, a give-me fight in my opinion. Um, obviously, I don't know too much about Daniel Jolly. I know actually one of my ex-writers, Desmond Moore, who fights, who is a amateur fighter out of Texas, he's actually personal friends with this guy. So he was telling me how he was really, really excited to see this guy's debut. Um uh, obviously, according to him, he's going to win and everything, but I really think Misha Serkinov's on a different level. I'm, I'm not saying this guy is a top 10 talent currently in the 205-pound division, but I think this is a guy you need in Canada, especially with GSP gone. There aren't too many Canadian stars, and I'm not saying Misha Serkinov is, is the next GSP or anything uh, close to that, 
But I, I just think, especially in the shallow light heavyweight division, this is a guy you need in the UFC. So I'm happy he's finally here, and I think he gets it done here and probably in the first round. Yeah, he's a guy that, that has that look. He has the look of a fighter. He's, he's ripped. He's huge. Um, he's a guy that definitely has the potential to be a star. And he's coming into this as a guy that the Canadian fans want to see do well. He has a great grappling game, a good ground game uh, with his Brazilian jiu-jitsu, which he hasn't shown off a heck of a lot. He's been knocking guys out. Um, But I think that's the way he's going to get this one done. I think he's going to tap Daniel Jolly out, and I think it's going to be early. So let's move on to the next contest. A guy who's training out of Toshido in Kelowna, British Columbia, Shane Shaolin Campbell, is taking on uh, Elias Silverio. Uh, Thoughts on this matchup? This this is a very close fight. Um, I, I wouldn't be shocked at all if this is a very fun fight also. I have to favor, I have to go against the Canadian here. I, I like Elias Silverio here. And I know you're a big Shane Campbell fan. Obviously, I believe he's out of a BC and all that. But um, I don't know. It, it wouldn't surprise me if he gets the win here. I, I don't think we're going to see a finish. I like Elias Silverio by decision here. Um, I, I just think he's just a bit more well-rounded. And I think he gets it done against the Canadian probably by unanimous decision. Uh, yeah, I am a big Shane Campbell fan. He is training out of BC. He's not from here, but uh, training with the boys in Kelowna, as I said. But I, I'm going to have to go along with you here. I think Elias Silverio actually takes a decision as well. Um, the two of them have very similar records with Campbell coming in at 11-2, and two, Silverio at 11-1. and one. But I think he's just going to be able to push the pace a little more than uh, Campbell is. But you can't write off the knockout or the TKO for Shane because he does have that power and, and he does have good striking ability. But Silverio, I think, is just going to be able to keep the distance, um, close it when he needs to, and uh, grind out that decision like you're saying. Yep, I, I completely agree. Um, it, it could be a fun fight or it could be a snoozer. I'm not really too sure what to expect. I, I'm not too familiar with either of them. I've seen them both fight, I believe, once or twice. Um, I, I know you've seen Shane Campbell fight, I'm sure, plenty of times, but uh, it'll it'll be an interesting fight, but uh, I like the Brazilian here. Another uh, Canadian that I'm going to go against is Chris Kaledis. Um He's taking on Chris Beal in the opening Fight Network prelims, uh, mm. or Fox Sports 1 or Fox Sports 2, wherever it's airing in the United States. Uh, I don't think Kaledis is going to have what it takes to, to beat Chris Beal. Beal is extremely fast and explosive. We saw um, in his last fight the, the potential to be... This guy has the potential to be very dominant um, in this weight class, and I think that he's going to take it to Chris in this fight. We've seen Kaledis do what he can do on the mat. He, he's very dangerous there. He's got a great takedown accuracy, a decent takedown defense, but Chris Beal actually holds a higher takedown accuracy and defense. Uh, with 10 wins, one loss, I'm choosing the real deal here in this fight, Chris Beal. Yeah, I like Chris Beal here too. Um, it, it sucks that we keep going against the Canadians, but I, I got to do it. Um, the only problem I have with the real deal here is that he's staying at flyweight, where uh, he he his first two fights were at bantamweight, and he uh, scored a big flying knee knockout over Patrick Williams, who I also really like as a fighter. And then he, uh, I, I don't recall who his second opponent was. He won a sloppy decision, a clear decision. It wasn't the, the most technical fight. It was a fun fight. And then in his third uh, 
fight in the UFC. He lost to Neil Siri. Siri basically just grinded him out. And uh, Beal was way too big for 125 pounds. He gassed out way too quickly. Um, his division is bantamweight, and that's not where this fight is uh, being contested at. So I, I, I do think Caladius has a good chance. I am siding with Chris Beal by decision, but um, Caladius is a tough guy. He He's a super, super durable fighter. He has that winner, Patty Houlihan, in his debut on five days' notice. Uh, and Patty Houlihan, not a top 10 guy, but he he's a skilled fighter. He, he He's great at submissions and all that. And uh, a win over him means a fair bit. But um, like I said earlier, I, I like Beal here. Moving on, we've got uh, Marcus Rogerio de Lima against Nikita Krylov. Al Capone in this one. I don't know how you could go against this guy. He's got power in the hands like no other. Uh, but Lima also has power. 85% KO, TKO rate. Um, I can't go against the Russian or the Ukrainian, I mean, in this one, though. Uh, he's just, I believe, on another level. Yeah, I agree with with you here. Um, I do like Nikita Krylov here, but it's a light it's a light heavyweight bout. Um, Delima hasn't faced top competition far from it, nor has Krylov. His a top his biggest uh, fight really was against Ovin St. Pru, and at that time, I don't think OSP was even in the top fifteen. That was earlier in March two thousand fourteen. But um, both these guys have big power, so I I, I can't say I'd be. I I'd have a seizure. I'd be I I'd go into shock if Delima pulls it off inside the distance, <laughs> but um, because it, it's not like a Ronda Rousey versus Betch Gohea where we know what was gonna happen. But uh, Nikita Krylov overall I think is a better fighter. Probably has a better gas tank. I'm not too familiar with uh, either of these guys. I know Krylov a bit better. I like him by TKO probably in the first round. I find it interesting looking at the stats here, the grappling stats of these two that. Neither of them has, an att- has attempted a takedown in their UFC fights. Both of them have a zero takedown average and 0% takedown accuracy. Yeah, that's kind of strange. I'm not sure uh, what, what that plan is there, but uh, I don't know. It, it, this will be a war on the feet if it goes anywhere past the first round, but um, I, I don't think it will. Another Canadian uh, stepping into the octagon, Eve Jabouin, takes on Philippe Arantes. Uh, who do you have in this matchup? I've been going back and forth on this one, um, and I don't know what weight this is at because originally it was reported that Felipe Arantes was moving down to the 135-pound division where Jabouin uh, has recently competed for, for the last few years, I believe. And then I, I spoke with Robin Black, the guy over at Fight Network, a, a top analyst in the, in the MMA world, uh, he told me that he was told Jabouin is moving back up to featherweight. So and and then when I was talking to him last night, I was uh, looking up the articles and all MMA junkies, sure dog, uh, MMA fighting, were all reporting that this was being contested at one thirty five. So I so without knowing what weight this is at. It, it kind of changes my pick because if Yves Jabouin moves back up to featherweight, I think he has a decent chance. Um, a, at, at bandweight, though, his chin won't be as good. It's already not great. Uh, Rontis, I think, knocks him out at bandweight, but at featherweight, I, I, I'm still going to side with Arontis, but it, it, it's a very close fight at featherweight. Um, and then at bandweight, there's so many factors in fight. Arontis... Maybe the weight cut would be really bad if it's at 135. So it really depends what weight category this is at for me. But um, either way, I think I like Rontes, but 
it's a, it's a close fight. Yeah, I think Arontis takes this one as well. I, I do believe it's a close fight. Um, it, if it is the case, this will be Arontis's first trip down to bantamweight. He fights at featherweight normally. Um, I, I can't see it being at bantamweight, to be honest with you. So I'm not sure where they're going with this. But either way, I think Arontis um, takes home the decision. I'm not sure how. And, and it sort of sucks because I am a Yves Jobuin fan. Uh, but I do think that uh, Arontis takes the takes the win in this one. Uh, the next one up, Sam Stout, Hands of Stone, a guy who we are aching to see get a victory inside the octagon, who we are aching not to see get knocked out inside the octagon, is taking on a very, very, very tough Frankie Perez. Well, Frankie Perez is a guy that if you want to stay in the UFC and be at least 1% relevant, you got to beat the guy. And sadly, I really think Frankie Perez takes this. Um, Frankie Perez has one win by knockout or TKO in his career. That was on the regional circuit, and that was over a guy with a professional record of zero wins and one loss. (laughs) His one loss was that knockout loss. So who really knows if Perez has any power at all? Um, He's a submission guy, 56% of his career wins uh, by submission. He, he can go to, to the distance as well. Sam Stout, this is a tricky one because I was impressed with Sam Stout in his last outing against Ross Pearson up until he got knocked out cold. I think he had a g- great first round. Ross Pearson is nothing to brag about. He, he's not a top 10 guy either, but um, he, he's a notable guy. He has a few big wins over Gray Maynard, uh, Diego Sanchez. I'll just call that a win. Um, Sam Stout, Frankie Perez, flip a coin. It lands on Frankie Perez to pick up his second TKO win. You think he TKOs him, eh? I think I think either this one either gets um, a unanimous decision for Frankie Perez or he finishes him via submission uh, a little later on in the fight. I really want Sam Stout to win this fight. Um, just because it is in front of his Canadian fans. Um, it was just the anniversary of his coach's death. Uh, so he's fighting for his honor, I believe. Uh, I, I would love to see him get the victory if he does go under in defeat. Like I heard on uh, the Parting Shot podcast, uh, I think that they should offer Sam Stout like a UFC Canada job if he doesn't get it done. Even if he does get it done in this fight, I think it's near the end of his career. I think he. I hate to be the guy that says a fighter should hang it up, and I don't think any media member should say that. But I think at this point in time, Sam Stout should be sitting behind a desk and doing what a lot of these other guys like Chuck Liddell and stuff are doing with UFC head office. Yeah, I, I completely agree with you. Um, that would definitely make more sense if he loses the fight. But um, even if he wins, he, he will go on to fight more, fight one or two more times. But even if he wins, I don't want him to see, I don't want to see him fight it ever again. Uh, similar to a few guys, obviously big nog, little guy, little nogger, both guys that should probably retire. Uh, Sam Stout, win or lose, probably should get a UFC Canada job after this fight, especially if he loses, and that's I think what's going to happen. But like you, I'd love to see a win in favor of the Hands of Stone. All right, let's talk the six-fight main card. A very exciting matchup in the the opening bout between Marina Moroz and Valerie Letourneau. To be honest with you, I didn't even realize Letourneau was Canadian. I know she doesn't train up here in Canada, but uh, this is a fun fight. Who do you got in this one? 
I got Marina Moroz, and uh, I, I really don't think this is as close of a fight as uh, some people are saying. Like like I mentioned earlier, I was talking to Robin Black last night, and he sided with Letourneau here and was fairly confident in that. And I was siding with Moroz, and I'm fairly confident. I think she's just overall the better fighter. Um, she has that big win over Joanne Calderwood. Calderwood was not was far from at 100% on that fight on April 11th. Um if they fought again and Calder, Calderwood was at 100%, it'd be a close fight. I, I'm not, I wouldn't be confident in Rose in that. Um, Marina Rose is a girl that she has one fight in the UFC and it, it's against a top 10 talent who was far from at her best. So it, it's really hard to predict this fight because you could say Valerie Letourneau, um, she, she has a lot more experience. She's been in the game a lot longer. Um, she, she's faced better competition. But I, 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 I really like Marina Rose here. I think she gets it done. And even though Letourneau has never been submitted in her pro career, this could be the first time. And if not, I like Marina Rose by decision. I'm going to have to side with you again here, Nick. I think uh, Marina Rose takes this one as well. Uh, in that fight against Calderwood, I mean, 10 submission attempts, which is absolutely crazy. It's it's. Big time for a for a girl at that weight class, uh, especially against an opponent like Joanne Calderwood. The only thing that could be trouble for her is uh, Letourneau's size. She's a lot bigger than her. Um, she's definitely going to come into the octagon a lot bigger than her on fight day. So she could grind it out. She does have the power to get the TKO or knockout. But uh, Marina Moreau showed that, that she's able to sort of keep it fancy and, and stay on the outside. Uh, in her last outing, and I think she'll do the same here. I got her by decision as well. Big Canadian uh, prospect in the next fight, Oben Mercier. Uh, Olivier Oben Mercier takes on Tony Sims. The Quebec kid coming into this one 6-1 and one against a veteran in Tony Sims. Uh, how do you see this one playing out? I really like Obin Mercier here, but the the more I thought about it, the more I wanted to pick Tony Sims just because I, I was very impressed with his uh, debut inside the Octagon earlier this year. He, uh, I believe, knocked Steve Montgomery out in the first round. And Obin Mercier is a guy that has has uh, fought far from top competition. He's, he's submitted David Michaud and uh, Jake Lindsay in his two official UFC fights when he fought for the tough name. Waltweight title, I believe, against Chad Laprise. He uh, lost by split decision. And Oben Mercier is a guy that the UFC is hyping up a lot. Some people are, are calling him the next George St. Pierre. I disagree with that completely. Uh, Reebok, Reebok gave him a, uh, a special Reebok deal, not just they're sponsoring every single fighter. He has like a separate one, like Conor McGregor, all the top UFC fighters. That's, up, that's for like Reebok Canada, you can call it. Um, Oben Mercier is a guy... I, sh I should be more impressed with him C considering the talent he's fought. Jake Lindsay and David Michaud are far from top 15 guys, and he beat them uh, clearly, but he didn't dominate them. And I really think he should have been able to dominate guys like Jake Lindsay. Something about OAM, I just haven't been super impressed with him. So I, I wouldn't be surprised if Tony Sims is able to knock him out or just win a decision. But I, I got to go with the Canadian kid here. But um, I don't know. It, it, it's a close fight. 
The Canadian is going to get it done in this matchup. Uh, he's going to prove his worth in the division. As you said, he's, he signed a Reebok. He was the first Canadian to actually sign that endorsement deal with Reebok, which is amazing since we have talent like Rory McDonald and whatnot. They obviously believe in OAM. I do as well. I think he's going to get a submission victory in this one because his uh, grappling game is on point. I think he taps out Tony Sims, and I think he gets her done early. Yeah, I, I should add that. I, Despite me saying Tony Sims could knock him out, I do like Oban Mercier by submission here, probably in the second or third round. Now, you spoke about Chad Laprise a few minutes ago. He's taking on Francisco Trinaldo uh, next up on this card. It's hard to go against the Canadian in this fight. Uh, how are you playing this one? I like Chad Laprise a fair bit in this fight. The only issue I have, though, is I actually scored his last fight against him. I scored it very closely, 29-28, for, Bar for Brian Barberina back in April. I, I know most people scored it for Laprise there. So far from a robbery, not not even close. Most people saw it as a right decision. I did not. Um, I I don't think this is a guy who is is a top fifteen guy right now. He could be. I I believe he's still fairly young. He could develop into a top ten guy. Right now, he's far from that. And Francisco Trinaldo is a guy that I seem to pick a fair a fair bit fairly often and. Uh, Somehow he wins. His wins are not pretty at all. He wins controversial decisions. He wins just grinding guys out. He doesn't beat top guys. He's coming off a controversial split decision. Win over Norman Park. I scored that for Trinaldo. Especially in Brazil, you can't count on the judges to get it right all the time. But uh, Chad Laprise, Francisco Trinaldo, this is a fight where Laprise needs to win this in a devastating fashion to be considered the next big thing, especially in Canada. And uh, I like Laprise to win this fight. It's, I, I don't think it's going to be a whitewash. I don't think it'll be easy. He wins the decision, though. Yeah, I think he grinds this one out as well. That's something that, you know, you spoke about Trinaldo doing, but I think Laprise is the guy that's going to be taking this one into deep waters. He's a guy that likes to grind it out. He's got a great takedown accuracy. He doesn't get taken down a hell of a lot, and, and he's known to grind the fights out, but that's where he gets the finishes done. He either gets the, the knockout or the TKO because of his grinding fashion. I have to go with this. I, I don't think he's going to get the finish, but I do think he takes the decision. Now, next up, we've got a fight that, you know, it's a big fight in Canada. It's one of Canada's best in Patrick Cote uh, against Josh Berkman. It's sort of a gatekeeper's fight, if you ask me. It's not a fight that, that really means much at this point in time. It's a fun fight for the fans because these guys always come out um, on top of their game and, and they come out swinging and whatnot. But it's not a fight that, as I said, it, it doesn't mean a hell of a lot. Skill-wise, both, the both these guys are fairly equal. The only thing going for Patrick Cote, though, in this matchup is he he's riding the momentum. He's coming off a win over Joe Riggs at UFC 186. He's looking better nowadays than he was a few years back. Josh Berkman, on the other hand, is looking worse than he was a few years back. Um, Berkman's lost two straight in UFC since he was signed back. Uh, losses to Hector Lombard and a stoppage loss to Dong Hun Kip. Dong Hong Kim, uh, the Kim fight, I was somewhat impressed with that performance. Despite him getting submitted, I believe in the third round, I, I I thought he looked pretty good in that fight, and it was a close fight up until the submission, of course. 
Patrick Cote calls him a quitter. I, I'm not saying he is a quitter, that, but that could be. Um, I, I like the Predator here, but it wouldn't shock me at all if Josh Bergman is able to pull it out. The only thing, though, is that uh, what makes me a little confident is that uh, Carlin Barsley of the Parting Shot podcast, he, his uh, strategy is to always pick against Josh Berkman in <laughs> UFC fights, and that's and he's successful. So I, I'm, I'm going with Carlin Barsley here. I like Patrick Cote by decision. I'm not sure who to pick in this one. I, I think that Berkman is a guy that seems to get it done when you don't think he can. It happened a, a few fights back. Um, wasn't expected to win. Pulls off the big guillotine choke against a guy who he shouldn't have picked up the win against. And, and he's not supposed to get the win here against Patrick Cote. This is in front of Cote's crowd in Canada. He's a big namestay in front of the Canadian fans. He's a true north guy. Heck, he does the commentary for a lot of the UFC French cards. So he's a guy that the Canadian fans and the Canadian people inside the UFC offices want to see win. So he's supposed to get the win. And Josh Berkman doesn't want that to happen. But I do have to side with the Canadian in this fight just because I think he's a little bit better. Co-main event time. Neil Magny stepping in on just a couple weeks notice here against Eric Silva. This is a fun fight. Uh, who do you have in this matchup? Rick Story, like you said, was originally supposed to fight Eric Silva. That that fight was supposed to happen back in June. Uh, due to visa issues, Silva was, in, was, was unable to fight. That was moved back to this card, and uh, Story got hurt. Neil Magny stepping in. I don't know, after a dominant loss to Demi Meyer that snapped his big seven-fight winning streak, you got to question how good Neil Magny really is. Yes, he won seven in a row. But against who? No one notable. No one that has top 15 skills in them. And you got to wonder, yes, Neil Magny is ranked number 15. But he doesn't have a win, I believe, over a top 15 guy. Demi and Maya exploited his ground game. He's not great. Demi and Maya, though, is is a fantastic practitioner of BJJ. Um, Eric Silva is overrated, in my opinion. Neil Magny might be as well. Obviously, a lot of people were picking him against Demi Maya, and Maya just showed up once again, said, why are you picking against me? Um, but I, I, I like Neil Magny here. He has to weather the storm, though. That's the key. Eric Silva could knock him out in the first round, and if he does, then props to him. But uh, he, he gasses fairly quickly. Second round, third round, he's pretty tired. Neil Magny could either lose the first round and win the next two, or even lock up a second or third round submission, in my opinion. And that's what I think will happen. All right. Here's the way I see it going down. I think Neil Magny isn't very overrated. I do think Eric Silva is. I think Neil Magny coming in on short notice is a good thing because he was just inside the octagon a couple weeks back. Now, Damian Maya is a guy who is completely different than Eric Silva. He is a beast on the mat. Neil Magny showed that he had some great... Um, submission defense there for a while until uh, Damian Maya was able to lock something in. You know, Eric Silva is not going to be able to tap out Neil Magny, I don't think. And if things go the way records do, um, Eric Silva, since his UFC debut, bounced back and forth between wins and losses. However, he's won two in a row. So you know what that means? He's bound to lose one now. And this one's going to come to Neil Magny. Magny's ranked at number 15, as you said. He's going to move up the rankings a little bit with a victory here. He's a guy, even if you have to toss a coin, 
the coin should land on Neil Magny's face. Where the the thing is, Neil Magny, come. You mentioned how he obviously you both talked about how he just lost to Demi Maya. Yes, he's not coming on off of momentum. Eric Silva is. He's one two straight. But against Mike Rhodes and Josh Koscheck, neither of them are in the UFC anymore. So you can't really count either of them, in my opinion. Uh, two wins over non-UFC caliber fighters. Neil Magny is a guy that will beat sub top 15 guys. And coming off, like, he's, a, he's a fresh fighter right now. Eric Silva hasn't fought since, I believe, February. So he's had a bit of a layoff. Neil Magny was just in there earlier this month. And I think that's a key factor in this fight. It, it's not like he's coming on Donald Cerrone style ten, 10 days after a fight, after a grueling a decision win or anything. He, it, he didn't spend too much time. And I think coming in on short notice, coming off only a fight of two or three weeks ago, that'll play a big factor in this fight. I think he's going to be the fresher fighter by far. And that's one reason I'm picking him to win. All right, the main event of the evening, two youngsters inside the octagon, the number five ranked Max Holloway, number seven ranked Charles Oliveira. I believe this is easily the closest fight on the card, despite what odds makers might say. Uh, It's very, very close. Before I get into how I think it'll play out, just talk to me about how you feel about this fight. Max Holloway is a guy that I picked him, and I I really like this guy. Fighting-wise, I, I liked him in a lot of fights coming up. But when he hit that, when he got that call to fight Cub Swanson, I picked a killer Cub in that fight. I just thought he was overall the better fighter, the better striker. And Max Holloway shut him out. He, he dominated on the feet and then locked up a submission, I believe, in the third round. It was a beautiful, beautiful performance. And uh, it, it really makes me feel that Max Holloway, at 23 years old, is a future champion and not just a future title challenger. He's a future champion. When when guys like Jose Aldo, Conor McGregor, Chad Mendes, Frankie Edgar are all done, this is the guy who's going to be at the top. The only guy in his way right now is Charles Oliveira, who's also a really young fighter. He's 25 years old, and maybe he could be the future of this featherweight division, the stacked featherweight division. Um, this guy is so good on the ground. His striking is coming as well coming along as well max holloway though i think is just a bit better he'll be able to keep it on the feet where he wants it probably and uh he'll 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 definitely pick up a win here i i don't think he's gonna stop charles Oliveira, um but i like him by decision yeah that fight against cub swanson was a fight that he wasn't supposed to win there's there's no way anybody going into that fight thought hell Max Holloway is going to kick the crap out of Cub Swanson, and he did just that. He looked absolutely fantastic, and this is a fight against Charles Oliveira. If he picks this up, he's very, very, very close to being number one contender status in this division. I mean, there's guys like Frank Yeager who deserve a spot, but this could be the guy that Frank Yeager fights next to see who is number one contender. And I think that's sort of the way it should play out. I, I am picking Max Holloway in this fight. I think he's just about that much better than Charles Oliveira. Oliveira gets sloppy when he comes in and, and throws his frantic punches. And we've seen in Max Holloway's last few fights that he's calmed down a little bit. He's been able to pick his punches. He hasn't been sloppy. And I, I think he'll be able to pick up sort of a counter shot that... That will drop Oliveira. It won't finish him. He'll get the decision probably. This will be a five-round war that should easily win fight of the night. Um, But I'm picking Max Holloway, not only because of the way he fights, but because Charles Oliveira's nickname, Dubronx, is the worst in the UFC. 
I just want to add that uh, you, you stole the words right in my mouth. Uh, no matter what, this will somehow win fight of the night. I don't care how good a fight is on the prelim card or, or early on on the main card. This will win fight of the night. Um, it, the only way it won't is if one of these guys pulls off a quick stoppage, which I, which I don't see happening in the first round, and then they'll win the performance. One of them will win the performance anyways. But um, like, like you mentioned, I think the winner of this, if, if Frankie Edgar doesn't fight Jeremy Stevens, which I think could happen later this year, they should he should probably fight the winner of this. The winner of this fight, Max Holloway or Charles Oliveira, whoever gets it done is right up there, top three level fighter in my opinion. And they, they should be fighting one more fight. If they win that, fight the champ, either Aldo or McGregor. But um, definitely this is the fight that determines a guy that will fight in a number one contenders match. For sure. Now I got a couple more questions for you here before I let you go. Still regarding this fight card, um, if you're looking at the overall card as a whole, um, I know you said on the chat that, that it's not a great card. There's some guys that, that aren't necessarily up to snuff. So if you're looking at the entire card, who's a fighter on this card that you think is on the hot seat? That That's an interesting question. Um, on the hot seat, is not necessarily a guy who I think will win. Sam Stout is a guy you got to watch because he needs a win here. Uh, same as Yves Jaboon. I know Jaboon recently beat Mike Easton about a year ago or so, so actually not too recent. But um, both these guys, both those guys are badly needs the wins. Um, I, I, I think they're both going to lose, actually, like you <laughs> also mentioned. So who really knows? But those are two guys to watch. Sam Stout could come out and shock the world and win because I think most people, despite how not great Frankie Perez is, I, I think he gets it done. Another guy you, you should keep your eyes out for is a Chris Beal. And I'm really interested to see how he's improved his game and his cardio, most importantly. Because I'd really like to see him come out, despite Chris Kelly's uh, being Canadian and all that. Chris Beal is a guy that, at Banway, I thought could be a top 15 guy. Um, yes, he, he's not the most technical guy, but he he can win fights, just no matter how, where it goes, decision, knockout, whatever. Um, th this guy, though does not have good cardio, like I mentioned earlier on, at all at 125. So that's going to be a key to watch out for, whether or not Chris Beal has great cardio in the weight division he's fighting at flyweight. I agree with you there. Um, I believe Sam Stout and Eve Jabuan are on the hot seat. The guy that I'll say that I think is on the hot seat is Josh Berkman. As you said, he's lost two in a row. I think if he loses this one, he's out the door. Um, so the final question I have for you, uh, Canadian Mitch Clark was actually expected to be on this card, but, uh, something came up. Uh, I don't know if you heard about this or not, but, um, he was pulled off the card due to a, if my, uh, screen will load up here, <laughs> taking forever, uh, an acupuncture mishap ruled Mitch Clark out of Sunday's UFC Fight Night 74 event. How shitty is that? Well, that that's really disappointing. Obviously, the first, the UFC's debut in Saskatoon, Mitch Clark is a Rough Rider fan. He's from Saskatoon. Um, originally, now he lives halftime in, uh, in Arizona and halftime in Edmonton. But um, this guy is a Saskatoon-born uh, guy, and... Uh, the fact that he's not on this card really, really sucks. Um, I the thing is, I don't actually think it was just that 
Um, the, the reason you said I don't remember how to pronounce it because I'm the pronunciation king, but uh, this guy, it, it, it sucks. I really wanted to see him on this card. Obviously, he's a Saskatoon-born fighter, um, but he wasn't the only reason. He told me like way before, way before this card was announced, actually, that he had a torn hamstring or something, and he wasn't even going to be able to fight on this card anyway. So I, I know there are some fight, some sites out there reporting that was the only reason maybe a change maybe the hamstring and i believe a thumb injury healed on in time but um as far as i'm concerned that wasn't the only reason but if it was that really sucks all right nick that just about does it just let people know where they can get a hold of yourself in the social media game mma junior and anything else you've got going on all right, so uh, first off, thanks for having me back on Sucker Radio. I really appreciate that. Um, you can, your listeners can find me on Twitter at NickUFC. They can uh, check out my website, MMAJunior.co. Um, we have a fair number of staff writers writing a bunch of opinion pieces sometimes. We, we, we do a lot of news, though. That's our focus. We recently began a covering Brad Pickett's brand-new UK promotion, Rise of Champions. The first um, event is October 17th. We will most likely be there live covering the event. Um, we're also covering Bama. The next card is, I believe, in just under a month. We'll be there as well. Um, as far as UFC Saskatoon, we'll have pre-fight, post-fight coverage, of course. Um, and then my podcast, MMA Junior Radio. I host that weekly with John King. Some of the times he hasn't been uh, co-hosting with me uh, too often recently, but uh, hopefully he'll be back in the co-hosting seat pretty soon. Uh, the the uh, 20th edition of the show came out just uh, yesterday, I believe, uh, with Robin Black. The great chat I was talking about earlier, breaking down this card in a bit more. Um, I think that's about it. So uh, thanks for having me on. Thanks for joining me, man. And uh, have fun in Saskatchewan. Will do. I appreciate that. All right. Thanks to Nick Baldwin for joining the show. Breaking down UFC Fight Night Saskatoon as he is heading to Saskatchewan, to Saskatoon, to check out the fight card live. So what better guy to have on the show than him? So thanks to him for joining me. Thank you to you guys for listening. Thank you to my sponsors, ProAmBelts.com. Make sure you check them out for all your championship belt needs. BC Kimonos, check them out at bckimonos.ca. They have the best geese for the best prices, and they're based out of Canada. So how can you go wrong? Well, of course, if you're in Canada... Also, thank you to Floathouse. Check out floathouse.ca. I am an ambassador for the program. I believe in flotation devices, uh, sensory deprivation tanks, and I think Floathouse is the top of the crop uh, when it comes to that. So thank you to them. Those are my three sponsors for the show. I'd really like to thank them. I'd like you guys to check them out because they continue to support the show. Make sure you check out MMA Sucker on Facebook, facebook.com slash MMA Follow us on Twitter at MMA Sucka, myself on Twitter at JeremyBrand604. I'll be back next week with a wicked episode. So with that, I'm out.